most of the time when you're by yourself, for me, on the back of a horse, I mean, like my, the, my biggest priorities were the animal, myself, you know, trying not to die. When Matt and Smokey left Allen's ranch in Duckwater under the encouragement of a long gun, they were less clear on where the trail was than Matt would prefer. In the vast, underlabeled sections of Nevada, Matt had learned to move from rancher to rancher like points on a map. They would tell him where water was, where the next town was, where he could find friendly people, and where he could find the trail. But not Alan. Back in Duckwater, at Alan's ranch, Matt had made a final plea for help. He was ultimately headed for Baker, Nevada, at the border of Utah. But it was 100 miles away. I put my maps on his on his hood, and he was like, you stay right there. You know, like, don't get near me, you stay right there. And I just was like, look, I know we're here. I'm trying to get, um, I think the next town I was trying to get to was Preston. And he, he said, you know, you're right there, Preston's right there. Now get the hell out of here. Like, get off my property. This is Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Chapter 6 Escape. We join Matt and Smokey in Medias Res, in the middle of things, as they head into a small mountain range east of Duckwater. He was a week away from the border of Utah. It was nearing August. I was heading toward Preston, and I got very lost. I, I started following what I thought was the trail, and I and it was a two-track that headed east-northeast into the mountains. And then eventually the two-track turned into a trail, and then the trail basically turned into a game trail. As I kept getting steeper and steeper into the mountains, I lost the trail completely. Sagebrush and scrub oak obscured the path that Matt thought he was on. And then there was nothing. Even the game trail was gone. And I remember crawling on my hands and and knees on the ground because I would see these stumps. Way back in the day, the Forest Service would would have cleared the land for grazing rights and they would they would cut down trees and turn them into fence posts and things like that. And I kept thinking, well, if if these are stumps and they're they're ancient. I mean, like they were cut 100 years ago. Um somebody has been here before. There must have been a reason why there was somebody here. But that's as good as it got. The presence of humans 100 years ago. And I kept going up and up and up and up and eventually I got to like a like a a boulder fall where I was terrified. I said, oh, God. Smokey and I sort of picked our way over these boulders, and, and he was not happy about it. I mean, I was walking and crawling and dragging him during this period of time just to get him to, like, step over these big boulders and everything else. I mean, he was like you know, high-siding his belly onto these, onto these rocks. Yes, difficult. It was very, it was very difficult, very hot. And, and at the time it was, you know, kind of scary because I didn't know if I was going to get to the, to some point where I knew I couldn't make it. And then I'd have to go all the way back Back. down. Yeah. And I, and that was what terrified me the most because I was like, I don't, I, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I really have it in me. 
Never mind he was out of energy and water. Where would he go back to? Allen's ranch? And eventually I sort of picked my way around this huge boulder that had sort of fallen down in the pass and I was able to sort of get around it. And there were a bunch of scrub oaks and things like that. And I finally kind of burst through this thicket. And when I pulled Smokey through there, I remember looking at this beautiful pasture. Just the, the grass was very, very short. Um, but there was a little creek that was like running through there. And it, I literally, there were like butterflies, you know, like, like, you know, flittering around in the air. And there was a Mustang that was like off in the distance, like all by itself. And I just remember like leaping and crying with joy. Like I just, I was so ecstatic. It was one of the most triumphant moments of my life. Still, still is that I wasn't going to die. I knew it. I was like, there's water, there's something for Smokey to eat, like, I'm, we're going to be fine. You know, like, we're going to be fine. This rapturous feeling, this euphoria, was one that Matt would never forget. He was alive. Having traveled through hundreds of miles of barren land, having left some of the warmest people he'd ever met, only to be threatened by one so scorched by this desert that he would deny a young man water, and having lost the trail on an arid mountain pass, searching for human presence among stumps on the ground, he was alive. The vastness of the treeless expanse on the trail ahead of him never looked so good. Matt and Smokey rested the night in the butterfly meadow and turned their gaze to one of our least visited federal lands, a stargazer's paradise of dark sky, clean air, and crystalline reservoirs, Great Basin National Park. On the western edge of the park, three roads converged. There was an outpost there with a bar and a couple rooms for rent. But that's it. No gas, no motel just this place, and it's not particularly easy to find on a map. You're going to see an area where oh, yeah. uh-huh. three roads. Major station bar. That's it. That's it. Major station. Major station. Oh, it's got like a bunch of antlers. Yes. Oh, yes. it's kind of awesome. Yes. Yes. Oh, the yes, whole yes. ceiling is antlers. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I got to major station. They had two rooms you could rent, and they had a they had a paddock in the back. With like a little lean to, and they would they would sell me flakes of hay, and I was the only person there for the entire time I was there. No one ever stopped. Um, nobody ever pulled in or visited. There was nobody there but me, and that place was crazy. There is a there was an owner for whom I never met. I can't remember what he was doing, but he wasn't there. He found instead a couple who told him that they were left in charge of Major's station by the owner. And I rented a room. They had a nice little room, you know, like in the, you know, like, the, like you could, you, right off of the bar was a hallway and it had a bathroom with a shower in it. And there were two bedrooms that you could rent. 
and I rented one and there was a paddock out back. When I got there, they insisted on me handing my gun over to the bar, which is actually very common. Like it's not uncommon to the point where if I walked into a bar, I knew in many instances to like take my gun belt off and you would hand your gun to the to the bartender. And, it, you know, it's like right out of a Clint Eastwood, you know, For movie. Sure. It's like they're basically like, you guns know. Guns at the door. Yeah, leave your guns at the door. And so I, I would take my gun belt off and I would, you know, sort of wrap it up and I would give it to him. But something about Major's station felt off. As the day would go on, they would drink and drink and drink to the point where they would start to fight with one another. And they were very um, suspicious people. But as time went on, um, they just got more and more volatile. And, and they kept, they were gouging me for like every dollar and cent. You know, it was something like $5 per flake of alfalfa in 2003. A flake of hay, it's like a sandwich to a horse, a big snack or a small meal. It's hard to price a flake of hay, but by today's pricing standards, a flake might cost about a dollar or less. They were charging him $5, and Smokey would need a few flakes to refuel. And I just was, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I was just like, and but I had nowhere else to go. It was like the heat of the day. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get to Baker. I, I, I'd already plotted out where I was going to get to. And they, you know, for everything. I mean, it's like they charged me for water. I didn't really trust them. I mean, I, I could, I would sit in my hotel, you know, in the room, which was like a little twin bed. I remember it had like a, a white sort of like ruffly bedspread. And I would just sit there, uh, you know, like just sort of dozing, you know, trying, you know, in the heat of the day. And they would, the woman would, you know, she would always sort of open the door and then I would see her feet under the door. And she was, you could just tell that she was just sort of listening. And then she would like go back in the bar. The day wore on and Matt found himself looking forward to getting back on the trail. He went to check on Smokey, make sure he was okay. In the evening time, I had I had walked up and they had locked, they had padlocked the paddock so I couldn't even get my horse out. Oh, that's awful. You know, it's like padlocking your car. You know, they put the boot on the car. And I was like, what is going on? And I came in and I confronted them. And they were like, you know, not until you're paid and settled up. I was like, I already paid you for the room. You know, and they're like, yeah, but there's going to, you know, there could be incidentals, you know, like we'll we'll unlock it in the morning. And I was just like, to hell, you know, hell you will. Like, I was I was pretty pissed off. And I was like, okay, well, then give me my gun back. I'm going to leave before you guys wake up. And they're like, no, you can't have your gun. And I was like, wait, so you got my horse locked up and you got my gun. I was like, hell with you people. I'm going to bed. But he wasn't going to sleep. He was formulating a plan. The couple had been drinking heavily on the owner's tab, whether he knew it or not. And Matt knew they'd be passed out by the time they were done in the pre-dawn hours. I didn't want to wake them up by opening the, the door. And they would lock the door to the point where I couldn't get out. I remember I opened my window and I went out the window and I walked around the, the building to the, there was a window next to the bar. And I jimmied that window open and I went into the bar and I got my gun, which was like sitting, you know, like underneath the bar someplace got my gun, came back around, 
shot the lock. You did? Oh, hell yeah. Like I was <laughs> I was in no mood. Uh, you know, shot the lock and just grabbed Smokey and freaking rode out of there. And and I was the the only problem. Were you afraid of a ricochet or anything like that? No. At that, at that particular time, no. It would be the only time Matt would use his single-action revolver in anger. The blast didn't wake the couple out of the fog of over-imbibing, but it was important for Matt not to stick around and find out. The, the reason I was concerned at all is when I got out on the road, I knew where I needed to head, and the, the, the trail that I ended up taking if you see the horseshoe bend of Route 50 that goes around Mount Wheeler, I kept going straight, basically straight into the mountains. But I knew that if they woke up and they wanted to come after me, I was going to be pretty easy to find because it's a straight road that you can see down for like 15 miles. I knew that I wanted to like try and get out of there as fast as I could and make as much you know, distance as I could, which I did. You know, I, I think I got to... You know, I got to the turnoff dirt road that kept going straight into the hills probably by nine in the morning. You know, so it's still pretty early right. at that point. At any point were you thinking, like, I should have never left Hot Creek? <laughs> oh, sure. Like, I just left paradise. Oh, sure. But the thing was, Matt knew no matter what paradise he found, there would be trials. And no matter what cruelty he faced, a kindness would later greet him. The ebb and flow of these two things was Matt's constant companion. They accompanied him across the long, straight road away from Major's Station, around the bend of Mount Wheeler in the beautiful Great Basin National Park, and to the sanctuary that awaited him at the border in Baker, Nevada. A ranch family there would put him up for two weeks and teach him about roping and driving livestock. They'd feed Matt and Smokey. Flakes of hay at the price of helping around the ranch. But this was yet another paradise, followed by another tribulation. After I left Baker and I was going across the Wawa Desert on my way toward, Crist on my way toward Crystal Peak, you know, it was like open salt flats, like blinding, no shade. Yeah. There was every, you know, your archetypal salt flat, like yeah. crossing a salt flat with a black horse. You know, it was, it was rough. And, and I was really thinking, like, you are a stupid, stupid man, Matt. You know, like you're really, you really put your foot in it this time. And, but the, the point is that that happened all the time. You know, you'd, you'd have little setbacks and you'd think about packing it in. The problem is, is that it's, it's nine times out of ten, it's just as easy to keep going east as it is to turn around and go back where you came from with your tail between your legs. And by the time you get to where you're going, you know, you'd be surprised what, you know, what God puts in your lap. You know, you meet some amazing people, you get some rest, you get some food in your stomach and, you know, the horse is happy or something, something like that. I mean, just it all it takes is just a little bit of a little respite, you know, like a little bit of of civility or camaraderie amongst people you mean yeah. just a little bit and then you know then you you find that you know you're the, the well that you can draw from to make it through the next day is that much you know fuller
On the next rite of passage, the cost of the long trail begins to add up. And it still did long-term damage to my eyes. I mean, even even now I have these funny little puckers on the inside of my of the whites of my eyes near near the bridge of my nose that were as a direct result of UV damage. That's next time on Ride of Passage. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Special thanks to podcast editor Rachel Ishikawa. The Ride of Passage theme was written and recorded by Bob Scon. Thanks for listening.